0: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com.
1: Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Adam and Eve. AdamandEve.com is like the biggest online superstore for all of your sex needs. They've got toys, they've got lingerie, they've got movies. It's pretty much a one-stop shop for everything sexy. Now, you'll get 10 free gifts when you order one item. Something for her, something for him, something you'll both enjoy, and six free movies, plus free shipping. All you have to do is enter code HOLLY at checkout. That's H-O-L-L-Y at adamandeve.com for your 10 free gifts. Today, I have a very special and important episode for you guys. Late last year, Honey Gold, a rising star with a stunning exotic look, a fiery sexual appetite, and already a few awards under her belt, including 2018 XBIZ new starlet, tried to commit suicide. Her friend checked her into a rehab and launched a GoFundMe to cover the expenses of her treatment. The reactions were twofold. Of course, there was an outpouring of support from fans and friends, and indeed, she was able to raise over $36,000. But there was also a vicious backlash from people who saw this as some kind of scam or publicity stunt. There was an overwhelming amount of comments from people who didn't understand why she couldn't afford the treatment herself. People seem to have this idea that porn stars make an insane amount of money, and some of them do, but that's usually after they've spent years in the business, building up their brand and diversifying their income by using multiple platforms for different revenue streams. Honey only started in the adult industry in early 2017, so when this incident occurred, she'd only been performing for less than two years. She was a rising star, to be sure, but she wasn't established yet by any means, I think about Honey's time in treatment, and I think about my own time in treatment. I liked it so much, I went to rehab twice. (laughs) Now, Honey went for emotional trauma and self-harm, whereas I went for alcohol abuse. But the stigma of having to commit yourself to a rehab carries the same sting of shame, weakness, and, well, failure. In our society, there is still a lot of disdain and lack of compassion around mental health issues. How often have you written someone off by saying, oh, she's just crazy, and then mentally discarding that person as someone unworthy of your compassion? As if people make a conscious decision to be crazy. We may all be masters of our own destiny, but some of us come across some really big obstacles that slow us down on this road of life. Since I'm not a therapist by any means, I decided to go back to basics and literally look up the definition of mental illness. And it is, quote, Mental illness, also called mental health disorders, refers to a wide range of mental health conditions, disorders that affect your mood, thinking, and behavior. Examples of mental illness include depression, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors, end quote. The causes were cited to be, quote, a variety of genetic and environmental factors as follows. Number one, inherited traits, Mental illness is more common in people whose blood relatives also have a mental illness. Certain genes may increase your risk of developing a mental illness and your life situation may trigger it. Two, environmental exposures before birth. Exposure to environmental stressors, inflammatory conditions, toxins, alcohol, or drugs while in the womb can sometimes be linked to mental illness. Three, brain chemistry. Neurotransmitters are naturally occurring brain chemicals that carry signals to other parts of your brain and body. When the neural networks involving these chemicals are impaired, the function of nerve receptors and nerve systems change, leading to depression and other emotional disorders, end quote. Inherited traits, environmental exposures before birth, brain chemistry, all factors that are completely out of your control. Though I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't have anything in here about past trauma Um, I feel like that is something that could definitely encourage mental health issues, considering especially that your brain develops as a child. And if you have a stressful childhood, that can absolutely affect the development of your brain. But anyhow, I'm just reading you guys the textbook definition from the internet, but regardless I don't see in there anywhere where it indicates the affected individual made a cognizant choice to be mentally ill. So why do we still treat this topic with such dismissive disgust? Well, it's uncomfortable for sure. It's uncomfortable consider that one doesn't have complete and total autonomy and control over one's thoughts and actions. Especially if you yourself have never experienced any kind of real mental illness, it's impossible to imagine. I myself certainly had a bias against it until I experienced it myself when my alcoholism unfurled itself into the monstrosity that took over my 20s. When I found myself driving to the liquor store when my brain was screaming at me to turn around, when I found myself pouring the vodka down my throat as tears streamed down my face because I truly did not want to be what I had become. That's when I knew the insanity and the absolute terror of being completely out of control of your own actions. Now, my situation and Honey's situation are far different. My insanity was brought on by consuming something, whereas Honey's was bred out of her life experiences and possibly other factors that, you know, we're not aware of. She carried around with her a weight of trauma that must have been crushing. She felt hopeless. She felt a burden to the world. So she tried to die. But thankfully, she didn't succeed. So she sought help, and help costs money. People loved her enough to give her that money to get that help. But still, so many other people shamed her for that. And thus, we breed the cycle of shame and hiding our problems, stuffing them down until they explode in our faces and push us to do something drastic. I mean, we don't lock up people in horrific conditions in insane asylums like we did hundreds of years ago, but we do lock people up in that neat little compartment in our minds of they are crazy. They will always be crazy. They aren't worth our time and resources. Let's just put them somewhere where we don't have to deal with them. But times are changing. Society is starting to recognize not only the pervasiveness of mental illness and how it touches such a huge part of the population, but also that it is something that can be treated. People can get better. And we've come so incredibly far in the field of mental health. And so, What is the one thing that can help us deal with mental health issues today? I think that one thing, just to start, is compassion. Because through compassion, we can make someone feel like they are worthwhile, that they can reach out and ask for help, that they can be open about their struggles and still be a valid member of society. And ultimately, in that lies the one thing that every human being needs to make life worth living, hope. All of this is why I think today's episode is so important and I'm so grateful to have Honey here to come on and openly share about her struggles with us because I know when we look at someone like Honey, a beautiful young porn star, we want to only think of her as a gorgeous sex machine with the sole purpose of curating that porn fantasy that we all desire. But that's not what we do on this podcast. I do these interviews to find out who the real person behind the fantasy is and for me, that is so much more interesting than who they play on camera. So let's get to know Honey for who she really is and allow her to tell her story in her own words for the first time. <music> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited because today I had kind of a last-minute, unexpected guest, and she's somebody who I've been trying to get on for a while, and I finally ensnared her. We have the amazing Honey Gold here. Honey,
0: hi. how are you, Honey? I am good. I'm also kind of nervous because I I don't know if we're going to be making eye contact the whole time. You don't?
1: If it's that <laughs> hard to look at me, and believe me, no. I understand because no. I do look like Garth from. No. world today. Oh Here we go. Here we go. Let's start off the podcast talking about Holly's insecurities. Let's I'm, not make it about honey at all. I feel
0: like I look like a black version of Buddha. What? God. Like the Buddha, the, the yeah, the you Yeah, know, you rub figure? his tummy for good luck. Oh I think God. it's because we both have a receding hairline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So before we started the podcast, honey and I were arguing over how beautiful we think the other one is and he's trying to make a really ugly face right now it's not working you're no that's why
0: i keep telling you you're absolutely gorgeous but you don't want to listen to me so i don't know what to do face
1: i know i know i'm sorry i just have to accept compliments it's just hard you know you know how it is like and we had a long discussion about this yesterday we shot together yesterday yeah. actually and we just talked about like being a woman in today's society and the crazy insecurities that we have and trying to hold yourself To an impossible standard, just how we see ourselves in a completely different light than the way other people see us. And it's just, it's tough.
0: I was also talking to you about whether or not I should start turning myself into like one of those Instagram models that Photoshop all their photos or stay natural. I think you should definitely stay natural because
1: I mean I look at you and and honestly I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass and I know you have other people tell you this all the time, but like you really are stunning and you're so beautiful in a unique way because I mean I appreciate that. You're I'm you still don't,
0: working on the self esteem part.
1: You're not a cookie cutter girl. Like you don't look like other girls and that's what makes you so fucking cool looking. Like you have such a unique look. And um I mean and your natural lips are like lips that girls like <laughs> Die for and believe me, <laughs> I, I have see that natural a lot. Kylie Jenner. Oh my god, dude! The lip injection thing's getting out of control really. Mm, a lot really, of that stuff is getting out of control. It's really starting to. I mean, again, I don't want to tell people that they shouldn't do things that make them happy. I know we're not supposed to like shame anybody about any of that no, stuff. People are sensitive. People are so sensitive. Yeah, but I, I just I'm saying like there's so many beautiful girls that just go over the top and just get so much work done, and I, I just. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm old, but I don't get it. We
0: live in a society that embraces um, fillers, Botox, Mm -hmm. like changing your image, which is absolutely terrible. We shouldn't be normalizing stuff like that. Now, enhancements, I get it. Yeah. But doing stuff to make you look like a completely different person, unless you got in a car crash and your face (laughs) kind of got messed up, (laughs) I don't think it's necessary. Yeah.
1: I just think it's indicative of of how people are starting to see themselves in a really skewed, skewed way. I mean, it's crazy to me. That some of these girls who are so gorgeous look in the mirror and don't see how pretty they are and think that they need to do all this stuff to their face. It's just completely unnecessary.
0: I mean, Instagram helped ruin people's self-esteem and front-facing iPhone cameras.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's actually been, there's there was a study that I saw somewhere that showed that like chin jobs and neck lifts went up by like 110% after like the front-facing. We were
0: talking about the Kybella? Is that yes. whatever
1: it is to just get rid of this? Yeah. Well, because, because a lot of times you'll open your phone you know, or, I, and it's oh, underneath shit. you and it's like the worst angle ever and then you're like, oh my God. And it's just like, and it's hard too because everybody's on video these days and you see yeah. yourself from all these different super unflattering angles. Oh, and- I've seen mine.
0: I just laugh, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why when you open your uh, phone, you got to do it from here. So you're like, oh, damn! Look at I that know, door right? On. Or what little there is. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, the, the front-facing camera is my enemy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's rough. it's need to ruin my self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
1: Apple. <laughs> Thanks, Apple. We're going to blame it all on you. Yeah,
0: high-key because, you know, androids don't do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, honey, how are you doing, by the way?
0: Um, right now or in general? In general. In general, I am absolutely amazing. Like, I am the happiest I've ever been in my 25 years of existence next month it's going to be 26 oh my god <laughs> now I'm getting old <laughs> older I'm not old but I'm getting older yeah and uh, 26 is I'm looking forward to it but um, considering you know the past couple of months I didn't mm-hmm. plan for 26 mm-hmm. so I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing
1: Yeah. yeah do you want to kind of fill everybody in on what the past year or so has been like for you
0: uh year i mean two i could years. go past couple months or two years or whatever feels significant to you um well i know what everyone wants to know to, you know they want to know the past couple months so i um for most people who don't know i'm really blunt especially since all of that stuff was just uh, apparently was on the news and so many different articles i'm just mm-hmm. super blunt so mm-hmm. Uh, For those of you who may not know or those of you who have been curious about it, uh, November 2018, uh, I think it was the day before Thanksgiving, uh, I tried to kill myself. And then on Thanksgiving, I got admitted into a uh, psychiatric facility and then from there got transferred into a rehabilitation center, spent two months in two different uh, treatment facilities and got out in January. What sucks about that, though, is I spent Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas, <laughs> New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day in a treatment facility. Very strange. Mm-hmm. I had never done that before. It was a first for everything.
1: Yeah, the holidays. But the holidays are a hard time for a lot of people. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but statistically, suicides go up during the holidays.
0: Which is why I was kind of glad I was actually in there. I was like, oh, okay. This is not so bad. You're in a safe place. Yeah, but... um. That's basically just an overview of everything Mm -hmm. that's been going on for the past couple of months. Um, It's been really nice to be out, you know, because... It makes
1: you appreciate it. Yeah, because, I
0: mean, when you're in a treatment facility, um, the the facility that I went to was specifically for uh, trauma or depression or anxiety. A lot of people, when you hear rehab, they Mm -hmm. think drugs. Yeah. I did not go in for drugs. And I feel like this is something that has annoyed the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. Most people are like, are you sober now and this and that? And I'm like, you don't just go to a treatment facility just exclusively for drugs. So uh, I went in not because of porn. A lot of people think it's because, you know, maybe it caught up to me and – I don't know, maybe I hate my job or something like that. I love my job, which is why I'm still in the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went in for 15 years of severe emotional, physical, mental abuse, 15 years worth. Mm. Uh, Most people, they assume that when they see my social media and whatnot, that what they see is me. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And there's so much more to me than what's online. And it's just. Weird that people don't understand that. It's like, oh, this is her whole life. This is everything. I, it, I will never be able to comprehend that. But uh, I come from a really, really fucked up background. Mm. Uh, the way my therapist would describe my parents is uh, sadistic assholes. That's what she said. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and that is um, a very – that is not a word that you just throw around. Mm-hmm. That That's not something that you take lightly. Um, but my parents are – sadistic assholes. Mm-hmm. Um the type of stuff that I was put through is stuff that you don't hear about every day. Mm-hmm. And um it wasn't until I went into treatment that I un- I began to understand that the way that I was raised wasn't normal.
1: That's like the such a horrible thing about childhood trauma is that because obviously as a child you don't know any better, you haven't had experience or whatever you went through you're raised to believe that that is normal yeah, and that maybe i don't know i know a lot of trauma victims often find that they they after they get out of like you know a traumatic home they end up getting into traumatic relationships because yeah. like they believe that that's normal and that's how you treat people and they believe that that's like what they deserve
0: yeah i 100% relatable um yeah you come out thinking that you're worth shit so you gravitate towards people who treat you like shit it's really terrible it's really awful too because it's like during
1: your formative years when your brain is developing and you're learning and you're creating those you know pathways in your brain and you're learning about the world you know that should be a safe place to grow up in a family that teaches you about the world and when you're learning something that's completely skewed and so wrong it's it's just I mean that is something that unfortunately is going to affect you for the rest of your life. And then because if, the way that your brain develops yes. is totally off.
0: If you don't get help too, yeah. you keep repeating yes. the so cycle, yep. which is insane. It's mm-hmm. insane. It takes a lot to break the cycle, which is why I'm glad I went to treatment because I know that if I have a family of my own, don't get me wrong, I do not want to bring kids into this fucked up world. Just It's a, it's a downhill. Downhill. Just downhill from here. But mm-hmm. um, if I do have a family, I'm really happy that I was able to go to treatment and able to come to terms with certain things and I was able to heal mm-hmm. and be aware of so many different things that I didn't notice before so that I can actually break the cycle. Because this isn't anything new in my family. Like everything that I was subjected to with my siblings, it just it goes back. It yeah. just, it was just a cycle. That's the awful thing is the abuser
1: usually comes from a f- from abuse, a background of abuse. So it's like they also were raised with the idea that this is how you treat people and this is how you handle situations. And if they don't do something like what you did, go to treatment to try to break the cycle and learn about um, yourself, then it just perpetuates itself.
0: Yeah. I mean, personally speaking, I did not know that I needed help because I thought the way that I grew up was so normal. And most people... Uh, I deal with this so often. They're like, Oh, my mom and dad used to beat me and yada yada yada. And I'm like, Okay, I'm happy for you, but uh, you know, you're trying to act like we're the same, but everyone has a different story, everyone comes from a different background. And so sometimes I'll ask people like, What did you do that your mom and dad whooped your ass? And be like, Oh, I did X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, Okay, I got beat my entire life, and it's not because I was doing something wrong. Mm. It's because my parents needed an outlet. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't like when people are like, they try to compare stories. They always try to one-up you. And um, it's just, I don't like having to feel like I need to prove to people that like, no, this is really serious. Because people think I'm a little bitch for going into treatment. But I was homeschooled from third grade all the way through high school. I was barely allowed to leave the house. So... Every day, it was the same thing. It was my parents' wow. abuse, school, and child labor. Yeah. Um, that was my uh, that that was my reality for fifteen years straight. Wow. So I didn't have the ability to interact with other people outside of those four walls. So when you deal with fifteen years of being told that. You're a piece of shit. You're ugly. You're never gonna to amount to anything. And that when you get the shit beaten out of you that you deserve it, 15 years of that, you're gonna come out super fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like super fucked up. Like um, I was talking to someone recently, uh, I was talking to my roommate, and he was telling me some of the stuff that his parents used to do. And I was like, Yeah, one instance is uh my mom beat the shit out of me with six belt you know belts like the end of the buckle Mm -hmm. until i was bleeding and she threw me in the tub with salt and lemon and then locked me in a shed that's typical for my family that's normal stuff wow so you know i'm dealing with that for 15 years you know that that will probably put you in a treatment facility (laughs) yeah that's crazy i'm so sorry and it's uh you know, they say, well, it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, or it just psychologically fucks you up. But, you know, I'm alive right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so was there a moment that you realized what you went through wasn't normal, or did you not come to that conclusion until you went to rehab?
0: I did not come to that conclusion until I was um, placed on 72-hour hold. Mm-hmm. When I was in the psychiatric facility, they want you to give, like, a brief overview of, like, your life or, you know, just any trauma and so I gave them just a quick rundown. I was like, yeah, no, my parents used to be out of me, yada, 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 just quick rundown. And the people that were there were looking at me like, and they were like, I am so sorry. And I looked at them and I was like, oh, no, it's fine. Shit happens. And then it wasn't until the woman who was writing all of this down looked at me and she was like, I need you to understand something. You've been sitting here telling me it's okay. Shit happens. And she was like, this is not Okay. This does not happen to people. This is not normal at all. And then the moment she said that, that's when it clicked. And I was just bawling because it finally registered where I was just like, oh, I did not know this was not normal. Did you feel like
1: a sense of relief? Like suddenly you weren't you weren't responsible for all of those things that have oh, happened to you.
0: Oh, hell no. And you realized that <laughs> no. all of
1: these horrible things that your parents were telling you could possibly not be true. Maybe you're oh, no. not a piece of shit. Maybe you're not ugly. Like,
0: nope. all of those things. Oh, no, no, no. That's something I struggled with in treatment because I got to a point where as I started um, working through the program and working with different therapists and trauma therapists, uh, it got to a point where i had to either accept the fact that the people who were supposed to who raised me uh who were supposed to love me and you know encourage me and help point me in the right direction or the people who fucked me up and did all of these terrible things like i did not want to accept the fact that my parents did what they did Mm. so you get to a point where it's like you are an absolute denial and then your brain starts to switch and you start self-blaming where it's like, mm-hmm. maybe I deserved it. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe I did this. Maybe I could have done that better because you, it's so, it sounds easy, but it's so hard to accept the fact that the people who were supposed to love you and brought you into this world are the same people who broke you down and destroyed you. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, cause when you sit down and you have to acknowledge that and accept it, it will break you down mm. because it's that whole you then you enter like the whole why why did they do it and you, right. you can't really find an answer to that it's right. just uh, yeah no I it, it, it that was <laughs> that whole thing was a very interesting experience like uh I went through a lot of denial and when I finally accepted it I had the biggest breakdown in treatment um I went into shock in treatment because the moment I accepted it um it, it completely. Just changed my world because then instead of self- blame, I uh I just felt broken because I was like I didn't deserve this and I've dealt with all of this and I'm here because of this like it, it broke me down,
1: yeah, well, I mean I mean, as a child, especially, I think that you have to try to find some way to normalize it and you know that's your defense mechanism to yeah. live in denial so that you can survive
0: yeah Uh, you know what's crazy though now that you mentioned uh defense mechanism a lot of people uh performers and fans um uh i i see this in my comments and all this other stuff where it's like okay we never saw it coming but she was so happy she was probably faking it i get accused a lot of faking a faking a fucking suicide attempt who does that (laughs) but um i've just heard so many different things and um You know, when I'm on set, I'm usually just super smiley and whatnot. What people don't know about me is I learned that you could honestly go on Instagram and put, I want to die. If you put a fucking smiley face emoji, people are going to disregard it. And they'll be like, oh, haha, I feel like that too. If anyone looked at my Instagram for the past year, all the signs are there. Mm -hmm. They're all there. And... um. Most people on set who were really confused um, when they found out uh, didn't realize that my dark sense of humor Mm -hmm. was a coping mechanism. Absolutely. And then I was always smiling and always happy. Don't get me wrong. I did have happy moments, but it was also because I felt like if I wasn't talking, if I wasn't smiling, if I wasn't laughing, there were those few rare moments where if I was just quiet people could see in my eyes what was really going on. And Mm -hmm. I always tried to mask that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So it's uh, interesting.
1: (laughs) No, it's it's really common. I mean, uh, people use, you know, comedy and that kind of lightheartedness, laughing, joking to cover up a lot of pain. I mean, you know, we use humor to cover up pain all the time. I mean, humor usually like really strikes – Us, I think it hits home. Like the jokes are the best joke when it reveals something about the pain that we experience. Yeah. Because it's so relatable. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there's a reason that they say that like most comedians are like super depressed and miserable. Yeah. Because that's their coping mechanism, and that's
0: super, super common. It is actually really common, which is kind of sad. But the only reason why it's kind of sad is because people are not going to take you as seriously. And in treatment, I had to learn how to say the things that I needed to without mm-hmm. smiling or without laughing. Because if, you, if you're if you smiling and laughing, people won't take you seriously at all. And mm-hmm. it's like that's the only way that I knew how to ask for help mm-hmm. or tell someone how it was doing. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult to break that. Yeah. Even course. today, I still kind of do it because most people would be like, well, why do you do this? And I would always tell them, would you prefer that – I, my delivery was kind of a little bit more comical while being a little bit serious or very serious. Or would you prefer me to sit here bawling my eyes out, Mm -hmm. telling you how I feel? Yeah. Some people can't handle that. So it's like, and also, too, you're coming to set and you're trying to
1: like be positive and you're trying to, you know, be professional and do a good scene. I mean, you don't want to come to set and like be miserable. Yeah, because people don't want to work with you. That
0: is true. You know? It started happening though. It yeah. started happening where I was going to set and I always like to be very professional, but there were uh I think two key days where uh for the first time ever people kind of started to see beyond like my exterior because that's when I started having meltdowns. I had two major meltdowns on two different sets and that's when I was like I need some help. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know what I needed help for. I knew that I wasn't okay, Mm -hmm. but I didn't understand why until I went to treatment. Right. What's your relationship like with your parents now? Do you talk to them at all? If my dad were to die, I would spit on his coffin.
1: So (laughs) so not good.
0: (laughs) No, um, no, no. Uh, I, the last time I saw my father was on my 21st birthday. I'm about to be 26. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I tried talking to him about how I felt about my childhood and different things. And, um, at first he really listened to me. He apologized. He, um, he, he felt guilty. You know Mm. what I mean? He, um, he, I thought I was making some type of breakthrough Mm. and, you know, this motherfucker went home, talked to my mom about all this stuff. And then she got in his head. And after that, he was like, If you ever want to be a part of this family again, you are going to have to do it on our terms. You're going to have to work for it because you should never say things like that about me or your mother, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, you know what? I got to let this go. And I uh, stopped talking to my family. But even though I stopped talking to my family, the way that I was raised was that for some fucked up reason, I always wanted – uh their approval so even after that even after everything i had gone through i still wanted it of course but that's so normal
1: every child wants their parents approval it doesn't matter how they treat you
0: yeah that is true you know it's still from my perspective it's still kind of sick but of course course,
1: because i mean it sounds like your parents aren't aren't particularly well themselves
0: no but it's like me personally speaking like i uh I still wanted that like a uh, parental figure, you know, someone to go to someone to be proud of me, you know it's just like that bond, yeah, but I had to in treatment, I uh, remember the day, oh, we had group therapy, and then they were talking about some topic, and I was just sitting there in my head, like thinking about my own stuff, and um, I don't know what was said, but something just clicked inside of me. And in the middle of group therapy, I just had the biggest breakdown because in that moment, I realized that no matter how hard I tried or no matter what I did, I would never gain my parents approval. And that's when I realized that I had to let them go. Like I Mm. could not have a relationship with them, not because of the approval aspect, but also because of the fact that they're fucking sick in the head (laughs) and that's not healthy for me. So I realized I have to cut that off and I have to forgive them. Yeah. I mean, I still st- spit on my father's grave. It's like, I, I forgive you, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> that's
1: got to be really, really hard. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to have to cut ties with your family
0: like that. It's, uh, you know, I- at first it was hard, but I, I actually started kind of like creating my own friend family.
1: I was going to ask you do you find do you have people that you consider family now? Yeah. Do you have people that you feel you can depend on and people that, you know, you feel have your back?
0: I um I actually do. Um a lot of people know that a GoFundMe was started to help treat me uh, keep me in the treatment facilities and the person who actually started that is my best friend. She also helps me with uh, managing my platform. She uh, travels with me. So she's kind of like the sister slash mom slash best friend that I've never had. And she has her family who's kind of taken me in as like a granddaughter. So Mm -hmm. it's like little by little, like her family is so accepting and they're kind of becoming like my family, Mm -hmm. which is really 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 nice because i'm like oh wait this is how people are supposed to treat each other this is amazing yeah (laughs) so um yeah i'm kind of like grafting people into my little family and it's it's nice like i like them way better than my blood family (laughs) it's nice that when
1: you get older you can make your own family like you don't have to stay with the ones that you are
0: blood related to yeah if that's not what works for you i mean you're still always going to be related to them which is kind of shitty but you can't change that i can't go crawl back in my mom's vagina right <laughs> like I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to be related to you
1: <laughs> yeah so let's talk a little bit about actually that GoFundMe because there was yeah. some controversy uh, oh, over oh, that
0: oh, oh god I hate uh, people sometimes
1: <laughs> but also too I mean obviously a lot of people wanted to help you and they believed in you because yeah. people did contribute and it and it did help you pay for your rehab I don't yes. think I think a lot of people don't realize how expensive rehab can it be So, and how it can be very difficult to have it covered by insurance, even if you have insurance.
0: I did not have insurance. Yeah, if you don't have
1: insurance, and
0: I can tell you this when I first, my first like three weeks of uh, treatment, I was resisting. I still wanted to kill myself. I was Q15, which essentially means every five minutes I need to be checked on. I can't leave the premises. And um, you know, not allowed to have shoelaces, not allowed to use a pencil. Like I, there's so many different restrictions right. and I was Q15 because I was actively trying to kill myself in treatment. Mm. I was miserable. And so, uh, treatment, oh, you know, I'm just going to start somewhere else. Treatment is extremely, extremely Expensive. And most people are like, Oh, you're a porn star. You should be making millions. And I'm like, porn stars make millions of dollars. Oh, that's news to me. Like
1: a (laughs) huge misconception among the general public. Okay. First of all, girls can make more in one day than a lot of people. Might make in a week or two weeks, but you don't work. Not everybody works every single day. Not to mention the fact that there's different fees that get taken out, like agency, whatever. You know, you guys don't get residuals from the stuff that you shoot. Yeah, and also too, none of you motherfuckers are paying for porn. (laughs) So where the fuck do you think that money comes from? I
0: know. All these people are like,
1: I watch porn for free on Pornhub all the time, but you're a millionaire because. You know, you star in movies that I don't pay for.
0: Jesus Christ. What? So, oh um, so I. <laughs>
1: So annoying. I just want to smack some people
0: Like, I, God, I got so much hate on social media. People were like, oh, this is a scam. How do you suck dick? You broke whore and you can't pay for your own rehab. And I'm like, damn, people are harsh. But, you know, to some extent, I can understand where they're coming from. I'm not going to say that I don't. Because if I didn't understand how the adult industry worked, mm. I would be like, Girl, you got your coochie all over the internet, and you can't afford anything. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so, I I get it, but um, uh, honestly, I uh, I do well for myself. I live um, by choice a very simple life. I'm not into materialism. Like, I'm very content with uh, just basic necessities. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people don't realize that. Uh. What the GoFundMe goal was didn't even cover two months' worth of treatment. We're talking about 24-hour care. It Mm -hmm. is expensive. Every single – I maxed out every single credit card that I had. I used all of my savings. Anything that I had went towards my treatment. Took out a loan. Um, No, my friend took out a loan, which I'm paying back or paid back. I don't uh, (laughs) – anyways. When I got out of treatment, I had nothing. Mm -hmm. Like I, nothing, nothing to my name in debt. Like most people think that maybe I just took everyone else's money and saved everything that I had for myself. No, uh, that put me in debt. I lost every fucking thing. People don't realize that if it weren't for that GoFundMe I wouldn't be alive. So that's why I brought up the fact that I was actively trying to kill myself in treatment. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have that team around me, if I had been let out of that treatment facility before I was ready, I would not be alive. Like Every single penny that went to that GoFundMe helped keep me in another day, another day, another day, which kept me alive. My hardcore fan base knows that I'm the type of person where even on my platforms – you know, I understand the value of a dollar. I grew up dirt fucking poor. Like I grew up standing at like six, seven a.m. at a church, waiting in line with other homeless individuals just to get bread that my siblings and I could eat. I understand the value of a dollar. I understand what it's like to be homeless. I understand uh, what it's like to work hard for your money or not be able to afford like a cup of coffee. So when I have my fan base paying nine ninety nine for OnlyFans or like my fan Central, they know that I appreciate that support, and I try to always give back. I always try to make sure that my uh, fan base gets their money's worth, Mm -hmm. if not more. So my hardcore fans know that I would never scam my fan base. I would not do something like that for publicity because I've been accused of not only scam, but doing it for publicity and for the people who think that I did it for publicity – the day that I found out, because I had my phone, we get our phones during certain times in the treatment facility, I made the fucking mistake of Googling my name. There are so many different fucking articles that popped up, and I was like, how How the fuck do these people know about this? People are like, oh, publicity stunt, yada, yada, yada. I had the biggest fucking meltdown when I discovered that I am now more popular for trying to kill myself than me sucking dick. Wow. Yeah. I That is something that I would have preferred stayed private. Yeah. I did not want any of that to go out there. So when people say that I did it for, like, publicity, um, no. Like, me, at my most vulnerable time in my life got plastered everywhere. And people on, thanks to Fox News, <laughs> fuck you guys. Um, wow, you were on Fox News? Yeah. Jeez. It went international. I'm sure they weren't kind to you either. Mm, the Daily Mail is fucking assholes. Yeah, they're, they're bad too. <laughs> but um I've had people come up to me and they're like, "Oh, you're that girl from the news." Not, "Oh yeah, you're that girl that was sucking that big black dick on Pornhub." No, <laughs> that's, that's like, what you would prefer. So yes. it's like, <laughs> no, you were that girl from the news that tried to. Are you okay? I, this is part of the reason why I live in Las Vegas now. Like mm. I could not deal with that out here. Mm. It was overwhelming. I, I'm embracing it now and I'm just owning it. But the first time that I ever wish that I wasn't in porn is when I saw all those articles mm. that shit broke me, especially like, how how did people find out about that? How did that spread like a wildfire? And I'm like, anyone who might have been involved, I'm like, one of you motherfuckers snitched because <laughs> it was too detailed. I just I, I don't know.
1: Are you talking about like articles about the GoFundMe or just when you tried to kill yourself?
0: Yeah, when I tried to kill myself. And I was okay, like, so this how? is before the
1: GoFundMe came out.
0: Uh. I don't know. I need to look because the at
1: Because the GoFundMe, articles. that would obviously make sense. Like if the news got – if you have a GoFundMe, obviously you're promoting it and that would yeah. make sense. There was would, just
0: some stuff that I read where I was like, this is a little too detailed. Mm. What is going on here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that people are ultimately really uncomfortable. First of all, there's a real stigma around mental health still. Oh, yeah. And people are very uncomfortable when it's like brought out in the way that it was brought out with you where – where you're actually asking for help and you're asking for um, financial donations to help you go through this really traumatic time in your life. Because look, I mean, I'll be honest, like I've been to treatment twice. Well, two and a half times I went to rehab twice, alcohol. um, And then I went to a sober living for like two weeks. I'll be honest with you, my parents paid for that. Okay. So I had like support behind me. I had people to pay for me. Like I have I'm fortunate enough to have a family who loves me. But if I was in your situation, like I don't know what I would have done. I wouldn't have had anybody. I wouldn't have been able to afford yeah. to go to those rehabs. I and I did that at a time before like anything like GoFundMe was out there. I would have just been unable to afford help and I, you know, pro- could have probably just drunk myself to death.
0: Yeah, I would have just So I think to. people <laughs> need to
1: remember like, you know, you just need to consider that some of us come from like a place of privilege that other people don't have, you know, and yeah. you did everything that you could with what you had. What you did have was you had popularity. You had a fan base. You had people who cared about you and you, but you didn't have a family to support you and pay oh, for it no. the <laughs> way I did. So you used what you had to get the help that you needed. Yeah. And I don't think there's part, anything to be ashamed about about that.
0: The crazy part though is, uh, I didn't ask for the help. It was my best friend that took the initiative to do that. So there was an issue that was, uh, there was a statement that was issued um, about how, how I was taking some time off for my mental health and dealing with certain things from my past. I didn't write that. Okay. Let's just clarify I did not write that. Okay. My best friend wrote that. Were you? I didn't want help. I wanted to die. Right. I was like, Fuck you guys. You have no right to tell me to keep living. This is my life. You don't know what I've gone through. So you have no right to tell me to keep living. That's why I tried to like count myself the first three weeks in treatment.
1: Yeah. Were you angry with her when you first
0: found out about it? Um, In treatment, they ask if you every day, if you're feeling suicidal or homicidal. I was feeling very homicidal. So you were a little angry. yes (laughs) (laughs)
1: you're just a little pissed off
0: yeah for everyone that was trying to like help and for everyone who was like it's worth it your life was worth it i wanted them all to just suck a dick and die yeah i was so angry because i felt like this is not your life you're not me like you you can't tell me shit yeah and uh, now I'm thankful for those people. But it's so bad because I gave them
1: hell. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so understandable. When you're in that place, it's so hard not to be angry because you have all these emotions that you probably haven't really dealt with before. And then it's all coming out at once. And like, yeah, yeah and I, I just it like I remember when I got sober, my family trying to help me with my sobriety. And I remember this sounds so stupid and trite, but it was New Year's Eve. And, you know, we were having a party and I, you know, couldn't drink because I was supposed to be sober. My mom bought me a case of Martinelli's sparkling cider so I could have that instead of champagne, which is a really nice gesture, right? Be like, okay, here, like I'm trying to do something to make you still feel a part of. But I was so mad at her. I was so mad at her. I was so angry with her for buying me fucking Martinelli's sparkling cider. Like I just wanted to throw it in her face because – And all she was trying to do was trying to help and do something to make me feel better. And I was just so furious because it was just like being presented with, you know, the facts that like I can't drink and I'm different than other people. And I have this mental illness and it was just like this physical representation of everything that I was so angry with. So I understand how you feel. Yeah.
0: I I, I mean, I said
1: some terrible things. (laughs) I feel like your story is so much like bigger than mine and like, no, but pain is pain. Right, pain right. is
0: pain. Yeah. Like that's what I tell everyone because they're like, "Oh, we went through a lot." I'm like, "Pain is pain," and everyone handles it differently. Yeah. Like my story is no greater or no less. Like we, pain is pain. Like yeah. we all go through shit and we handle it different ways. Correct. All right, we're going to take a quick break
1: and then uh, we'll be right back. Cool. I have to pee. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by my Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/HollyRandallUnfiltered. Are you new to my podcast? Are you a long-time listener? Either way, if you do enjoy this show, I want to remind you all that producing a podcast like this does cost money. But don't worry, I'm not asking for your donations in exchange for nothing. If you join my Patreon, you get access to so many perks in exchange for your support. Subscriptions start as low as $5 a month. $5, people, that's less than the venti mocha frappuccino you got this morning at Starbucks, and don't tell me that it's not. For just that small contribution, you get access to the live stream of these interviews, which means that not only can you watch them in real time, but you get access to my podcast way before the general public does, and depending on how my recording schedule goes, sometimes over a month before that particular episode goes public. And you can get access to what I call the podcast before the podcast, which is a fun little behind the scenes glimpse into my show as the guests get settled, autographs, prints. Yes, that's another perk you can get for joining and whatever else we talk about before we actually hit record. And believe me, there is sometimes absolute gold that I get from my guests before they feel that they're actually on. Not only that, but you get access to exclusive bonus content, such as my extra podcast, My L.A. Porn Life, that I do with my assistant, Eva, which has quickly become a huge hit with my current Patreon members. I also do bonus on-set interviews with porn stars who haven't even been on my main show yet, girls like Kendra Spade, Molly Stewart, Alina Lopez, and many, many more. There's also exclusive bonus Q&As with certain guests, mugs, shirts, access to my private Snapchat, my website, hollyrandall.com, and more. June was my best month so far on my Patreon, and I'm hoping to keep the momentum going. So please visit patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered to see what you've been missing. Join the community and support my mission to change people's mind about porn. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. Can we talk about puppies after this?
0: Oh my God! (laughs) Oh! No, oh, okay, you're, you're you're like, you're like, oh, okay, I need to tell you something. Okay. Uh, when I was in treatment, I was talking to my therapist and she was really concerned because she was like, okay, we got this girl. We're at three weeks now. She's, mm-mm, we gotta see some progress. We need to see a turnaround. So she was like, what is one thing that you think is worth living for? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> and she was like, come on, there has to be something. And I was like, I have no one. I have nothing worth living for. I was like, I don't see any point. I was like, I'm cool with going. I'm at peace with it. like, what the fuck is wrong with that? Um I could tell sometimes that my therapist lost patience with me, <laughs> <laughs> but then I was sitting there, and I was like, you know what i've I have nothing so um I don't know what happened i was um I was on the phone with someone and I was doing some type of assessment um because most people don't know when I was at uh I was at promises Malibu Vista um and they actually shut down in the middle of treatment.
1: Yeah, I know actually. Yeah, they
0: went bankrupt. I was like,
1: wow. So- I know about that. Actually, my it's just so random connective thread. My old set designer was the sh- was one of the chefs there. Ended up being one of the chefs there. Isn't that super crazy? Patro, he was the best. What? I know, right? So random. That is random
0: and wild. So random. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I had to do an assessment to go. That's why I went to two treatment facilities. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing this assessment, it is terrible. They're like, have you ever self-harmed? It's just so in detail. And you're just like. God, like, have you ever done any drugs? Have you ever, like, they go into such detail about certain things. And when you say things out loud, it kind of makes you think about everything differently. Mm. And, you know, by the time I got off that phone, after doing a one-hour assessment, I was like, God, I am a fucked up, terrible person. (laughs) But during the assessment, I got the uh, same question. You know, do you have anything, anything at all worth living for? I was like, nope they're like, nothing at all? And I was like, nope, wait. That's when I found something worth living for. I was like, when I get the fuck out of here, I'm going to get myself a French bulldog. <laughs> Dogs like, are the best. That's worth living for. And the person on the phone was like, oh, my God, that is an amazing thing worth living for. Just so you know, I have a Frenchie. <laughs> I was just going to ask you. <laughs> That's why you're like puppies. And I was like, mmm. I
1: have one. Dogs are the best there. I have two dogs and I don't understand like how people can live life without dogs. Like coming home and seeing that animal that is so so happy to see you. Just that (laughs) unconditional love. Like there's just something like every time I come home, no matter if I've had the shittiest day, I always smile, greet my dogs. I just feel like my life would be so
0: empty without my dogs. My dog is better than any man I've ever dated, you know? I've yelled at my dog, and he still loves me. And I'm like, I don't deserve you. (laughs) (laughs) But right now, he's, uh, you know that when you go through that, like, first year of owning a dog, and you just want to murder it? Well, yeah, if you get it as a puppy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love him, but I've had times where I've wanted to throw him in my swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they're children when they're yeah. puppies, and they like to chew things and piss all over everything. And they, you know, it's hard to have a nice home when you have a dog. Yeah, he likes to shit under my bed. Really? Yes, under <laughs> your bed. Oh, that's a joy. Small
0: dogs yeah. are like that, man. Um, they have like they have bathroom. But problems. he's the best cuddler. Um, yeah, I uh, I got him to help me stay single because I'm like, this is going to be the only man that I need in my life for right now. So, are you single right now? I've been single since July of 2018.
1: And do you feel good about that?
0: Um, I didn't at first because I had problems with codependency mm. and I only saw my worth in like who I was dating. Like I I felt like I had no worth if I wasn't dating a man. Right. Which is absolutely terrible. And um now I fucking love it cuz I've always been in and out of relationships and now I'm like I'm free. Like I don't have to, it takes so much work to be in a relationship. And I was just at a point in my life where I was like, damn, I started to realize that I, I was not in the right mental space to be in a relationship. And I had so much work to do on myself Mm -hmm. that, uh, I called it off with my ex and that was my fiance. Mm -hmm. But I just realized after I went through treatment that it's like, I have so many different things I need to work on so Mm -hmm. many things that I haven't done. And like, it's almost like I got. I did get a second chance at life, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Shit, I, I, I can't. I can't be in a relationship." Yeah, I you have so much personal growth. Yeah. And it's like, I am discovering who I really am. Like, that, it's, that is a fucking journey. It's a continuous journey. Oh girl, you can go through that journey your whole life, man. Yeah. Never ends. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, life is completely different for me now that I'm not struggling with as many things as I was like depression. I did not know that it was not normal to, uh, I didn't know that it wasn't normal to wake up every day and, uh, Tell yourself, like, hey, I I want to die. I thought that was a normal feeling. Mm-hmm. Or, like, no matter what's going on in your life, you have, like, three different emergency suicide plans if, in case you ever just need to check out right. within, at any given moment. Right. Yeah, apparently that's not normal.
1: <laughs> no, it's not.
0: <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> but um, life is really, really, really different when you're not depressed every single day. I did not ever believe in medication. I thought it was just, uh, you know, America wanted to make money, you know, prescriptions, diagnosing people. Medication changed my fucking life. Yeah. It changed my fucking life. I am um, a firm believer in – I feel like if you use medication with holistic methods, you know, if you find the right cocktail, the right balance, I feel like it can definitely help a lot of people because – It's kind of like when you have really bad eyes and then you get eyeglasses for the first time and you're like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. That's how my life has been ever since I got uh, on medication. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you look at it, I mean, a lot of times you know, mental illness is a chemical imbalance in the brain. Yeah. And so you need medication to fix that, that chemical imbalance. Yeah. And I know that there's people who don't believe in medication and and whatever. I mean, everybody's got their own. Yeah. Everybody's got their own, their own method, their own way. But um, I know that it works really well for a lot of people and I'm not a fucking scientist. You know, so I'm just like, if it works for you and it helps, then that's the most important thing. It's funny just because for me, like, I'm almost the opposite of you. As long as I don't take something, i.e. like alcohol, I'm okay. But it's like for you, you need something to take something to be okay. I'm like the opposite. I need to not take something. To be okay, and I still like deal obviously with depression and all that kind of stuff. I am definitely not like.
0: It's just challenging. Depression sucks.
1: It really is, and 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 I've been in it myself, and it's it's you know people like who don't who haven't been in it just don't understand it. They're like, you have all of these things, you're beautiful, you have this career, you have money, you have friends. Like, how can you not appreciate that? But it's like. It's impossible to describe. It's just like your mind won't let you be happy. And you just can't get out of bed in the morning. You don't want to deal with anything. And it's just like
0: three, four days without showering. Yeah. Isolated in a dark room.
1: It's this horrible self-perpetuating prison that you put yourself in. And it's like nobody wants to be in there. You don't choose to be depressed. You can choose to do something about it. Yeah, But you can't like just talk yourself out of depression. Yeah.
0: I mean that's definitely something that affected uh my previous relationship. Um Donnie is an amazing person, but he could not understand my struggle with depression because there was just one day where we were talking and he was trying to understand. Yeah. And he was like he he just straight up told me he was like you are so unthankful. You you have money, you have a great life, you have a platform, you have a career. And he was like, you're just, you're being ungrateful. Like you're choosing this. And I was like, you don't understand like this. If I could not be the way that I am right now, I would give anything to not be like this. And, uh, it was, it was such a struggle for him because he didn't, he doesn't struggle with, uh, depression. He's never known what that's, what it's like. Right. And, um, It would just confuse him because uh, if I wasn't working, I would isolate myself. There were times where I would just stay in the bed and I would get up only to like pee and drink some water. But I would be in the bed like four or five days in a row. Mm -hmm. I would not leave the house. I wouldn't talk to anyone. And it's just like he didn't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can honestly say for the people who think that porn is the reason why I got into the position that I did, which it's not. um, Porn actually helped keep me alive a lot longer because that is the only thing that i had to look forward to in life Mm. if i wasn't on set shooting i was in bed in a dark room depressed like porn is the only thing that would get me out of bed and out of the house because i genuinely love my job and not only that it 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 Allowed me to actually interact with people, so it kind of like pull it would temporarily pull me out of my depression and mm-hmm. help me function for a couple hours like a normal human being mm-hmm. because if it wasn't for that, I'd be in bed two, three weeks, you know, kind of go just disappeared, and it enabled you to create
1: a platform and have a fan base, yeah. Which enabled you to create the GoFundMe to get the resources to be able to afford to go to
0: rehab and, yeah. and deal with your issues. So, which people don't understand that I'm also very thankful for. I always emphasize the fact that if it wasn't for people who I like, I couldn't imagine being on the uh, the opposite end of things where it's like I hear this story about someone. And I work hard. I don't even know them. I've never met them. And I, there were people who were donating thousands of dollars at a time. And it just shocked me because these people don't know me. They're not expecting anything um, from me. And I'm the type of person where I lost faith in humanity. And that Mm. actually restored my faith in humanity because for someone to work hard for their money and – generously donated to someone that they don't even know just so that they can get help. That is such a beautiful selfless act. Yeah. Like every single person who donated, I am so humbled and thankful that like all these people cared enough to try and help keep me in these facilities, which is why I'm alive today. they are performers, directors, companies, Fans who donated, and it 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 amazes me. Like I, there's not a day that goes by where I don't think about that because I'm the type of person where I would see GoFundMe's and I'd be like, I like my money. I don't, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, that it completely changed my perspective on a lot of different things. And there are a lot of selfless and kind people out there who genuinely care about the world. Like I am. I don't even know how to emphasize how. Appreciative, I am and will always be for every single person, even if it wasn't financially mm-hmm. who just extended support, yeah yeah i um i'm it's amazing
1: how you can feel so alone, but then go through a breakdown like that and then suddenly realize that you're not alone,
0: yeah, and um, I'm honestly really as much as it hurt me that the entire thing was public. I'm thankful for it because I feel like I was able to kind of like break this perception of uh, not necessarily porn stars, but how would I say this? Most people kind of thought that I was just like this girl who got into porn and I'm just like this prissy bitch who just has it all. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that my fan base is now able to see that I am a human. Mm -hmm. People come from broken homes, painful backgrounds, and it's like they can see that I worked hard to get to where I am now. Mm -hmm. And it's made me a lot more relatable to my fan base. So I have a much more intimate relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And... I'm the type of person where growing up, I always wanted to try to make some type of difference in the world. And when I got into porn, I was like, I mean, I can still make a difference. I can utilize my platform. But I was like, how can my job job in itself, me fucking people, make a difference? And I mean – How can that
1: benefit humanity? Yeah.
0: I mean – yeah, you know, jacking off is good for stress, you know, it's and true. other things. Men need to come on a consistent basis, good for their prostate. Yeah, and it's just like, uh, you know, I would have a lot of people like couples or um, like boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, married couples or just individuals who ask me about, you know, improving their sex life or just communication in the bedroom. And that I felt like, you know, that, that helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the fact, uh, now people will contact me and they'll share their story and just let me know that the fact that I've been so open about everything that has happened has made them feel less alone. Yeah. And are there's so many people who have hit me up and they're like, Hey, I'm going into this treatment facility on this date. Um, you helped inspire me to actually go get the help that I need. That is, Is insane. Like when I read these emails and messages, I'm like, what? Like I didn't do anything special at all.
1: It's amazing when your own pain can actually be something that you can turn around and use to help other people deal with theirs. Like you can take that experience and you can flip it and you can make it something positive to – help other people deal with their pain.
0: Yeah. That's like
1: the true, that's the
0: gift of recovery really. But I'm by no means like the spokesperson for like mental illness in the industry. I'm not accepting that role. (laughs) You know, I feel like some people expect me to be like mental illness. And I'm like, okay, I am going to share what I, you know, my truth is my truth and I'm going to share my experiences. But, at the same time, that, that that's like a huge responsibility, and a lot of people expect me to fill those shoes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I'm still figuring my shit out. I'm, I'm not Superman now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do care, but I have a lot of shit I'm still figuring out. Like, I can't take on that role. I can just share my experience. But I think that that's also, too,
1: what kind of makes you – a good role model in a way because of your authenticity and because you're not coming from a place of like, I know everything and these are the answers and let me explain it to you. You're coming from a place of like, I went through something really traumatic. I came out the other side and I still have these demons, but I'm working towards fixing them and like, I'm still here and, and it's still a struggle, but I'm trying, you know what I mean? Yeah. And my life is a journey and that's all it really is for everybody. Yeah. Nobody ever like gets to the point where they just figure everything out and they don't need like any more recovery in their life or any more yeah. therapy in their life. We're all constantly evolving. Like we're never perfect. And that I think that, so true. <laughs> and I think people relate to you on that level because who wants to try to relate to somebody who's perfect? How
0: can you relate to somebody who's perfect? Because yeah, you don't. We're not perfect. True. That is so true. I used to always tell myself like people would always wonder why I would refer to myself as like the underdog. I've been an underdog my entire fucking life for so many different reasons, and now it's like with everything that's happened, I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I can help be a voice for people like myself who've just gotten fucked over and kind of screwed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a bad way to like say it, but it's just a. Uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe I can just help people relate to I I don't know. I'm I, I, I'm like I don't know. All I can do is just share my truth and just if it helps someone, that is fucking amazing. That's all. I and need then to if help someone for. thinks that I'm like a major pussy because of everything that I went through, you know, I would highly recommend that they really focus on their own life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say that that's more indicative of 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 themselves and their own mental state than it has to do with you. Oh
0: God, I deal with so much of that though. Yeah. Yeah, even within the industry. Of course. Yeah, I deal with a lot of that.
1: You're always going to come across people who have bias against mental illness and you know, it's still like kind of an acceptable thing to say like, "Oh, well, she's just crazy" and that kind of thing and just brush people off and under the rug and it's it's hard. We don't want to we don't want to look at it because mental illness is is something that is so pervasive yeah. in this country and it's getting worse.
0: It it, honestly, it is getting worse. It's kind of scary to be completely honest.
1: Yeah. I mean, the rates of anxiety and depression
0: are skyrocketing. And it seems like people who don't understand just don't take it seriously because they're like, anxiety? What is that? Depression? Ah, you just be happy. Yeah. It is... I don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 years. I feel like every year suicide rates are just going up more and more and like people are not educating themselves on what resources they can use to actually get help because um, medication is great, but there's some people who can do it without medication. There's um, trauma therapy is something that not a lot of people know about and trauma therapy is what what saved my life. Talk therapy Okay, it's great. I might as well just talk to a fucking wall. Right. That did not work for me at all. Trauma therapy is what helped me heal. Trauma therapy is why I'm alive. Once mm-hmm. I started going through that, um, once I started going through that, that's when I started making progress. And I don't really know how to describe trauma therapy. It is so weird. I would sit in this office. Um, and I would have they're like little to me. I just call them little vibrators. Where it's just like you're holding them. And oh, so like EMDR? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did yeah. that too. It's fucking weird, it's crazy, right? But it works. Yeah,
1: I did it for I did it to deal with my addiction.
0: Man, that 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 should save my life. <laughs> yeah,
1: EMDR is really interesting. It's um, it taps into like different. Size of your brain. Yeah, I would have some trippy, like kind of out of body experiences. I don't even know how to really describe it either. It's
0: like, and if you try to describe it, people are going to be like, you probably need to go back into a psych ward.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wish I could remember exactly how my therapist described it because it is something that is. Is bizarre and it's hard to. You just gotta Google it. Yeah, and you wore the headphones too, right? Yeah. We get the beep in one ear, yeah. beep in the other ear, and then the buzzing yeah. of the, the remotes in your hand. And then I, but I also had a rice like, bag on my feet.
0: Oh, a ten-pound rice bag. I didn't so, get a rice so bag, so you feel grounded. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I didn't get a rice bag. Yeah, no, I, I kind of like that uh rice bag thing now for feeling grounded. But
1: yeah, EMDR is really great, and it's uh, it's kind of a. I think it's. I don't know if it's fairly new. Or, I mean, I had never heard of it until I saw this one particular therapist, but, um, I feel like it definitely
0: helped me a lot. I told my therapist that she was fucking crazy when she told me, she was like, you're going to put these things in your hand. And I was like, all of my therapists, I thought that I was it was blunt. She was like, just, just do it. Yeah. And then when I was done with my first session, um, I was like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> Yeah,
1: I remember when my therapist suggested it to me, too. I was like, this sounds like some witchy bullshit. Yeah. Like, you're going to give me some crystals, too, at the time? Like, I, I remember yeah, you know, having you the want, same you thoughts that you did. Yeah, but it, it's stuff. Def- I don't know. It saved my life. I don't know what the fuck it is. It's and, witchcraft. That's what I'm, I call it. <laughs> and I'm sober, so I who knows? I want to ask you just about um, the actual suicide attempt. Yeah. So was there one particular thing that pushed you towards that? Was there one event or was it just an accumulation of a lot of things and you just kind of broke?
0: Um, it was a, an accumulation of a lot of different things. Um, some for political reasons. I can't mention another to protect certain people's privacy, I can't mention, Mm -hmm. but, um, for the most part, it was a combination of different things. And I was just, uh, I, porn is not the reason why I tried to kill myself, but I'm not going to say that certain areas of my career didn't have a major effect on me. Um, personally speaking, uh, when I, when I got into the, before I got into the industry and I was thinking about whether or not I was actually going to make that first step and, a major step in that direction. I created a list of things that I wanted to achieve and I didn't think it was ever going to be possible. I didn't think I would ever get any of the opportunities that I've been blessed to receive. And so most people don't actually know the amount of stress and pressure that I feel on a daily basis, even today, now that I'm like performing again, nobody understands what it's like to be me. And um, I constantly felt just immense levels of stress and pressure because, you know, it's like honey gold this, honey gold that, you know, you're a rising starlet, you got this award, you got that award. And it's just like, that is so much fucking pressure for one person. I felt like, it, it was only going to take one thing for me to ruin my whole fucking career. My mm-hmm. whole career up until this point, even now, feels like I'm just constantly walking on eggshells. You know, I never wanted to misrepresent my agency. I never wanted to uh, do something that would ruin my career. And it's just like on bad days with everything that I was struggling with, I never wanted my performance to – I never wanted my performance to – Drop or what am I trying to let my performances just start to suck or go to Mm -hmm. hell or you know what I mean? So, um, I I by myself put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. Anyone in the industry who actually has gotten to know a little bit more about me knows that I am way too fucking hard on myself, but it's also I had the mentality that I did because you know I see girls come in and out of the industry, and I'm not a fucking idiot, I am blessed with every single opportunity that I've gotten in this industry. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Um, it, it confuses the fuck out of me, but because I'm so thankful, that's why I would put so much pressure on myself because it's like people are investing time and energy into me. You know, Xbiz is giving me this opportunity or this uh, exposure. AVN is doing this. Like I, I never wanted to let these people down that were kind of giving me a chance to shine. Did you part of it feel like because for
1: so long you were told that you were a piece of shit and you were worth nothing, you were finally in a position where you were able to prove the opposite and you felt
0: like an enormous amount of pressure because of that um I mean, even you know when I was in the industry and I was getting put on this like a little bit of a platform, I mean, no matter. How high I was put up there, I still felt like a piece of shit regardless, which is why I was always so confused throughout my career when people were like, Oh, your scenes are amazing or you're honey gold. Or when new girls in the industry would come up to me and they're like, Oh my God, I've been wanting to meet you. And I'm just like, I know this is so bad. I'd be, I'd be thinking to myself like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, I still like, like you didn't believe in your own self-worth. No, which is why when people would tell me that they like my work and like even winning a, an x award, Best New Starlet, I was like, oh, y'all are fucking crazy. I don't know why. Like y'all have problems.
1: <laughs> that was the first time I think I ever saw you. And I was really <laughs> enamored by your speech because when you won Best New Starlet, you were so surprised and you went up there and you were so genuinely shocked and excited and but also like humble you know like so humble and just I don't know like you were very you were very real your your speech obviously wasn't planned oh no it wasn't like you know something that you wrote before it just felt very authentic and it was really endearing
0: it it was very authentic because most people think I'm just A lot of people think I'm just trying to downplay things or that I'm just trying to attempt to be humble. And most people don't understand that. I mean it when I say when I got into this industry, I got in because I knew it was something that I would genuinely love doing. And it's something that I still to this day have a passion for. But I didn't expect to experience success in any area whatsoever. I just wanted to do it because I knew it was something I was going to be passionate about, something that I really wanted to do. So the fact that it has opened up doors of opportunity and I am where I am today, I still, I'm, I, when I wake up and go to work, I'm like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's shocking. Yeah. Because literally every single thing that I ever wished that I could accomplish in this industry has fucking happened. How many people can say that? And I mean this not from a cocky or conceited point of view i mean this from a very thankful uh perspective like i always wanted to be one of avn's campaign girls for the expo i wanted to be on the cover i wanted a toy deal you know i wanted to win an Xbiz and avn award i wanted to win an inked award like there's so many things that i wanted to do you know go to the exoticas like there there's so much more too feature movies Working with certain people, literally every single thing that I thought wasn't possible but dreamed of has actually happened. Mm. That's fucking wild. That's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, that's amazing. It's nuts. (laughs) So are you
1: glad that you didn't? You weren't successful killing yourself.
0: Oh, now, now I am. Before (laughs) I was like, ah, but now I am so happy that I'm alive because, uh, this is my first time ever living life without struggling with the level of depression that I was dealing with. And, um, it feels so great to wake up in the morning and not think, oh my God, I'm alive. I want to fucking die. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know and all throughout the day it's just like i want to die i want to die i want to die when i got to the point um where i actually tried um can i ask how you tried i tried to hang myself oh, yeah most people don't know that <sighs> yeah
1: was that i mean i've never really like i've i've definitely felt i've had my blips of feeling a little bit suicidal but i i don't know like how I would do it. Cause I've never like really thought it out that much. Did yeah. that, I think that what was really like, seem like to be like
0: most with, people don't know. I have hanging? A, no, other methods didn't actually work as well for me. No, that most people are like, Oh, that's her first test. Oh no, I have a history. So you yeah. had tried for self harm, suicide attempts. Yeah. Mm. Um, most people think that it's really easy to kill yourself. Depending on what method you use, it's actually not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you would be surprised. So, What
1: did it break? Did the thing break? Did you fall? Like how did Okay. So this is
0: what's fucking wild. Uh, Most people ask me, they're like, so what happened? Well, see, I had a three step plan. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go into detail with the first two steps of my plan. Okay. uh, Because I don't want anyone to, you know, take. yeah, Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, I had gotten to step two and I was moving on to step three, but step two kind of, uh, Fucked me up a little bit, and um, in between me going from step two to step three, uh, my manager slash best friend she um, she constantly has my location at any given moment in case mm-hmm. you know I get kidnapped or something. And um, I had turned off my location. And immediately she was alarmed. I did not contact anyone. No one was at home because I had planned this uh, for when my ex was going, I think, to San Diego to see his dad because his dad came in from New Jersey or Florida. And um, I had everything planned out. And I don't know, going from step two to three, apparently people had gotten alarmed and people who had been trying to get in contact with me. uh we're freaking out because I don't ever turn my location off or anything. Mm -hmm. So certain people got a gut feeling and I had people that were sent to my fucking house in the middle of me trying to fuck kill myself. Um, That kept me alive though. But during that time I was very angry. Um, God, you are so lucky to have those people in your life. eh, Some of them (laughs) because sometimes, you know, some people just kind of want to uh, do their, you know, deed of the day so they feel like holy and righteous and But you know, they but whoever stopped you Yeah it's I love them and hate them <laughs> It's I have mixed feelings not because I'm not not because I want to be dead but it's just sometimes things just get way more complicated than they need to be I am very lucky but it's really crazy cuz now that I think about it um I definitely was not supposed to die because uh, one of the people who were sent to my apartment, I wasn't aware of this at all. <laughs> they, I, the, my apartment complex was having an open house. So you have to buzz a certain like code and then you, you get let in. So, uh, this person said that they were going to look at one of the apartments and then they got in. And, um, I happened to have my keys under the mat because, uh, I think, The same day, I was like, hey, I told my agent, I was like, hey, I have to, uh, I have have an emergency. I'm going to be leaving out of town. Um, Tomorrow, if you can, I need you to check on my cats and dogs because Mm. I had animals in the house. So I left the key under the mat. Then I had a note. And so when this uh, person. So was the emergency your plan suicide? Yeah. Okay. But, you know, I, I like. But the same them- day that I planned everything, you know, I posted my cat and my dog on my Instagram, you know, so people knew that I had animals. Right. Okay. Because, I mean, you know, no one was going to be home. That's a lot of thought that went into it. How long did you plan this for? Oh, I had a plan for a long time because yeah. uh, I, during that time, was such a sick fuck. Ever since I was nine years old, I always had a plan. Mm-hmm. I had a plan A, plan B, plan C. Always had a plan in my back pocket. But this one took a little bit of extra time. Um only because uh, my therapist laughed at me about this and I know this is going to be so weird. I'm the type of person where it's like I've, I know people who have committed suicide and I have seen the financial burden it can put on the family. Mm-hmm. So when I had planned everything out, I wanted to make sure that my credit score was good. I don't know why. Don't ask me. I'm very into my credit score, okay? I did not want to die with a bad credit score. I know that seems so stupid, and my therapist thought that I was fucking psycho, but I was like... priorities. (laughs) I was like, I want to go out without any debt, a good credit score. I can can (laughs) see why... Sorry. Don't judge me. <laughs> I
1: mean, this is like such a not funny topic. I know, so but
0: crazy. even my therapist was like, so you took care of all your finances and all that stuff before you wanted to go. I was like, yeah, I'm not going out with
1: debt. Are you crazy? I mean, I kind of get that because I think that I don't know if your creditors can come after like your family for your yeah, dad's after you that. die. I'm not sure, though,
0: if. The credit score, actually. Belongs. Yeah, I don't know about the credit score. <laughs> need to
1: worry about that.
0: Um, I take pride in good pre- credit, you know. I, I really do because most people don't even know about credit. It's just something, right? Yeah, you know, I wasn't in the eight hundreds, but I was close, and I was just like, I, every time I would look at my credit score, it's just like instant orgasm. <laughs> it's a weird obsession for me. So I made sure my credit score <laughs> was good. I made sure I paid off all my debt. All my credit cards were paid off and I had been um, – even though I was having like mental breakdowns, I was pushing myself to work as many jobs as I could because I wanted enough money because obviously you got to bury someone or like cremate them. So I wanted to make sure that I had enough money for uh, a couple months worth of rent um, because my ex at the time, we were in the apartment together and I didn't right. want him out have to take full financial responsibility. So rent – uh essentially if there's some type of funeral or if someone was gonna cremate me, I don't fucking know. There was money for that and then money for my family. Like I thought all the finances through cause, because I've seen other people like off themselves, you know, I've I've seen how it emotionally affects people, right. but financially right. that just makes everything so much worse. So I mean, I had been working a couple of months to just make sure everything was lined up. That's crazy yeah I mean, but the credit score thing is a is kind of weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the consideration that you had for other people in your own suicide attempt is I, I don't even know what to say about
0: that that's like I'm weird <laughs> it's just <laughs> but it's also because I've seen what happens when I, I've just seen people kill themselves it's and, I
1: mean it sounds to me like in some way you were kind of trying to lessen the blow for the people around you. Cause you knew that, you know, I mean, the thing about suicide is that the person who commits suicide, they're, they're dead, they're gone. But the way that it affects their loved ones is
0: something that, you know, people don't ever get over. Yeah. And I knew for me, I knew that it would affect other people because people would always be like, you know, you're going to hurt other people if you do it, yada, yada, yada. And I would just, first of all, I'd be like it, first of all, it's not about you and you're Mm -hmm. not going to guilt trip me into staying alive. Yeah. And um, second of all what's the second of all part not nope, nope, brain farted again you can't blame me it's been a long week <laughs> 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 it's been a long week and I've been like you already know I've been getting like 2-3 hours of sleep so I yeah. keep brain farting um, we also had a very difficult shoot yesterday
1: oh god it was so fucking cold and you were a champ <laughs> I'm pretty
0: sure if they say when you're cold you burn calories well, then you burned some calories yesterday, girl. I burned a lot. You were freezing. <laughs> it like, so bad. I went home and ate chocolate cake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then, so somebody came to your home. There was yeah. a key under the mat, and they, yeah. and so they were able to get into your apartment. Yes. and stop you.
0: Yes, that's incredible. Which uh, really pissed me off because when I was in treatment, I was like why the fuck did I leave that key under the fucking door? It just ruined everything. I was so angry. Of course. I was so angry. And I was like, I should have just let my animals just starve and die. I would have never put that key under the mat, but I just love those animals. So I couldn't do it.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this uh, with us, honey. I mean, it's amazing your bravery and what you've been through. And I really do believe that, um, you know, you talking about this will help other people. Because, I mean, some people suffer from what you suffer. The adult industry lost somebody that we all cared about very much yeah. to suicide. And I think we all still miss August a lot. So we're really happy that you didn't go down that same path. So please don't.
0: Oh, no, I'm, I'm very I'm, happy. Uh, I uh, do not want to die. Uh, we don't want you to die either. Unless it's like natural causes in old age. I'm, I'm okay with yeah, that. I
1: mean, we all got to die sometime, yeah. but, you know. Okay, I'm going to ask you some much lighter questions from some of your fans. <laughs> Star Law 69 wants to know what your favorite thing to do is when you have free
0: time. Eat.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite food?
0: Um, I don't have a favorite food because everything is so different. And I mean, it's just like, how can you pick one?
1: Amen, girl. Yeah. Spoken from a true foodie. I was
0: 180 pounds. I love food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, everything else is actually honestly all that you answered, all of these questions about the hospitalization, about if you're with anybody, um, how you're feeling. And, you know, everybody just like really pledges their support. Paul Zuck, their body, their choice, says, Honey is a beautiful person we are so lucky to have among us. It's sad because of her job. People think the worst of her. But,
0: Oh, thank
1: you. Paul loves you. We all love you. Thank
0: you, Paul. You're so sweet.
1: Is there anything else that you want to tell us about before we wrap up? Uh,
0: Well, for one, you know, despite all of that stuff, I do want to reiterate the fact that uh, I am genuinely the happiest that I have ever been in my life. I am glad to say that I'm okay. I know there are a lot of people that are questioning my mental stability. I'm still to this day dealing with a lot of the most fucked up rumors I've ever heard about myself. And um, I mean, if people are going to talk regardless, but I know and anyone who's close to me knows that I am happy. I am delighted to be back to work um, in an even better state of mind because I enjoy my job so much more. <laughs> I enjoyed it before, but now I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, but I am in a, a very happy, stable uh point in my life. I mean, obviously life is not easy and I have my ups and downs, but I mean, for anyone questioning my mental stability, uh, stop questioning mine, focus on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, um, I do want to reiterate the fact that porn is not the reason why I went to treatment. And I am genuinely passionate about my job. You know, so many people question that and I just want to set the record straight once and for all. I love my fucking job. I love fucking for a living. And, um, I, yeah, there's a a lot of bad in the industry, just like any other industry, like music or acting, but there's also a lot of good. And porn has done being an adult performer hasn't done nothing. But, um, How would I say this? That's not proper English. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Porn has honestly, it's been a great outlet for creativity. Um, There's so much that I've learned about myself and the world around me. It's opened up opportunities that I would have never dreamed of. And honestly, one of my favorite things about being a part of this industry is that women are put on a pedestal. (laughs) uh, Women get paid more than men in this field of work. Like, I feel like a... It, this this industry uh, is very empowering for me as a female, and that's something that I really appreciate. I, just, I I love my industry. Like long story short, I could go on and on, but I do love my industry, and um, yeah, I think I think that's it. Aside from the fact that I'm genuinely thankful for everyone who's been really supportive, honestly, I, that means the world to me. Well. Wow.
1: I think everybody's so happy that you came out on the other end that I know that people really adore you and I adore you.
0: I adore you. No, I'm serious. I really do. Oh, like that's why when I found out I was shooting for you, I was like, yes. It'll
1: be a good day. I know. And by the way, actually, this podcast won't come up for a few weeks. But um, your your first scene with me that we ever shot together um, with Alex Gray is coming out on Twisties,
0: which I'm so excited. Yeah. About.
1: And I was showing her the preview before we started the podcast, and it's amazing. Oh, right. It's like
0: it's so creepy, but in a good way. She, I scared myself I watching know. myself.
1: know. it was hilarious. She plays like this badass prison bitch She uh, yeah. like, you know, seduces Alex. Turn, turns alex gray into a lesbian and like oh she's she plays that role so well you're so good at but it
0: i think it's also funny that day because remember i told you when i got on set i was like hey um I, i'm just so you know now um my meds have finally gotten to a place where my body's used to them and everything. But you remember when I was on set and I was like, about feeling bloated from your meds. Yeah. And I was like, I'm still getting adjusted to them. It's going to take me like 15 minutes after I take them to feel normal again. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God, she's never going to book me again because I felt like I was kind of just like, no, you were great.
1: (laughs) You were great. You have way too high of expectations for yourself, girl. You were awesome. Most times I'm just glad if somebody fucking shows up to set. (laughs) (laughs) those days. I'm like, if you just show up to set. I
0: will always show up. I can tell you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, you did. And you were amazing. Um, we're going to do a quick little Q&A for my Patreon. I have a couple more questions for you. Just kind of general, insightful questions. But for everybody else, can you tell them where they can find you on social media? Plug your outlets,
0: your OnlyFans, all that kind of stuff. Oh, snap. Okay. My Instagram is HoneyGoldXX my Twitter is HoneygoldXX. My OnlyFans is www.onlyfans.com slash Honeygold. <laughs> and my FanCentral is also www.fancentral.com slash HoneygoldXX. Just so you know, my OnlyFans is really fucking dope. only OnlyFans is really dope, guys. <laughs> it really is. I, I like, believe you. Yeah,
1: You're really dope. How could it not be really dope? I mean, if I was lazy, it wouldn't be dope. <laughs> Again, honey, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. It thank was, you for having me. It was amazing. And um, I'm so sorry that you went through all of that. And I'm so glad that you're still with us. And I think that you you know, can continue to be a great example for somebody who goes through a lot of trauma, hits some speed bumps along the way. Very um, painful,
0: spiky pe- speed yeah, bumps. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, as an understatement. And comes out on the other side still fighting. So we appreciate that.
0: Oh, I, thank you. Oh, thank you. By the way, I'm really distracted by that really hot photo of you back there.
1: <laughs> it's so Photoshopped.
0: <laughs> I don't care. I mean, it looks close enough to me. Your hair color is different, though.
1: It's a little bit darker, I think, because it's up. It's sexy. Thanks. Thanks, baby. <laughs> you guys can follow me on Instagram, at Holly Randall, and on Twitter, at Holly Randall. Don't forget to join my Patreon, patreon.com slash Unfiltered, which is where you'll be able to see the Q&A we're about to do, watch all of my interviews live, and get access to so many other fun perks. You guys are amazing. Love you so much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. If you like my podcast, please make sure to give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It helps me a lot. If you're not listening to me on the iTunes platform, then you can support me in so many other ways. Um, first of all, obviously I would love it if you would join my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered, where not only will all of the donations that I get go towards making this podcast better, but also I offer really, really cool perks in exchange for your support. Um, Don't forget that I have a new podcast called My L.A. Porn Job that I am doing with my assistant Eva, and it is fucking hilarious. And it is available only on my Patreon for only $5 a month. So that's pretty, pretty cheap. And I promise we will make you laugh and we'll give you even more insight into this fascinating business that I work in. You can also join my Facebook group, go to facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall unfiltered to get access to other exclusive news about the podcast, as well as just join our community. Don't forget too, that I videotape all of my podcast interviews and you can access all of those at my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash C slash Holly Randall unfiltered. You can also email us. Holly Randall unfiltered at gmail.com. Or if you want to leave a voicemail to maybe ask a question for one of my upcoming guests or just leave a comment or tell us a crazy story or anything that you want to say, you can call us at 424-216-6967. So please. Send us an email, leave us a Facebook message, leave us a Patreon message, um, leave us a voicemail and we will maybe get back to you on the show. Um, especially the new podcast that I'm doing with Eva, my LA porn job will definitely be uh, responding to some of your messages. And overall, we just want to hear back from you guys. Want to know how we're doing, what you love about the show, what you hate about the show, who you want to listen to, all of that feedback is super valuable to help me make this show the best that it can be. One last piece of news. I plan on going to the 2020 AVN convention in Las Vegas, and I'm going to bring you this podcast live from the show floor. So that's another reason why I need your financial support, because that's going to be a very expensive trip for me. And, um, I'm definitely not making the kind of income from the show yet to cover it, which is fine, but I hope to eventually get there one day. And with your help, I hopefully will. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you guys for supporting. I appreciate you so much. And, um, I'm still like kind of flabbergasted that this show has done as well as it has. And I'm just super grateful for all of you. Next week on the podcast, I have the lovely Asia Fox on. And also next week, I am hitting another milestone. July is the month of milestones, people. It will be my two-year anniversary. So make sure that you come back next week for the very beautiful, the very intelligent, and the very sexy adra fox for my two-year anniversary episode see you guys next week